Hear these words. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness.
peace of Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church on this first Sunday of Advent. We are just delighted that you are here with us today. Uh, there are lots of things that are going on today, including today is Commitment Sunday for our pledges for 2019. So you may have received a pledge card in the mail to pledge giving for the operating and mission budget of our church. If you didn't, or if you didn't bring it with you, there's one in the pew, and we will be collecting those as part of the offering this morning, or you can send it in to the office or in the offering anytime throughout the rest of this month. Uh, you can see that there are things that are happening that are particularly because of Advent. One is we have a postcard that is at each one of the doors, and on the back of it, it lists all of the events that are the major events that are going on in the life of the church including concerts and Christmas Eve times. This is a great thing to pick up and to give to a friend as an invitation to come and join you here or to come themselves, particularly for Christmas Eve. Those are at both doors. Also at both doors, you will find our Advent devotional guide. These are complimentary. They're meditations by Henry Nouwen this year, and it's a great way day by day to go through Advent and to focus on the Lord throughout all of Advent. Our choir, which a week ago tonight sang in Carnegie Hall in New York, uh, sang parts of the Messiah, will be having their concert here next Sunday afternoon. Um, we will be singing some of the portions of the Messiah that we sang in New York and also other things. This is the 200th anniversary of Silent Night. So you will hear a lots, of, lots of versions of Silent Night, including today from the choir. We have some, even though it's free, we have some tickets that you could pick up and give to people to invite them to come to the concert. It's wonderful every year. Choir, bells, guest instrumentalists. But this year we're especially proud since we just got back from Carnegie Hall. and We want to show off a little bit to you. That is the truth. Um, there are a number of ways in which we are collecting for mission opportunities at this Christmas time uh, over on the patio and in Tankersley Hall, including there is a giving tree there with some tags on it. This is the last day to take a tag off the giving tree that asks for a gift for somebody who is either at in our La Playa sec, uh, English as a Second Language School or at the Friendship Shelter in town. 
Those gifts are due back next Sunday, so today's the day to make sure that you get a tag. I don't know if the tree is bare yet. I haven't managed to make my way over there. I hope it's already bare and that you won't even find any tags left there. Hospitality night in town. This, the first Friday of December This is this coming Friday, and we will be offering here on our campus tamales for sale in Tankersley Hall as usual, and free cookies and cider and hot chocolate and coffee on the, in the Rose Garden, as well as our youth group will be selling hot dogs out on Forest Avenue. So we, uh, the way we do those cookies is that you donate them. We could still use some more cookies because we usually give away about 1,000 cookies on that night. And there's a place you can sign up for that on the patio. They really like the homemade ones if you can manage that. Those are the ones that go first. I think I did it. Oh, yeah, there are donations for everything. Military, you can have fur. There are lots of wonderful ways in which you can be a, a part of helping somebody else's Christmas be more wonderful this year. Let's, oh, I'm sorry, I do have one more thing. Um, today, because it is the first Sunday of Advent, <laughs> did I stop you? <laughs> because it is the first Sunday of Advent, we, uh, right after this service at 11.30, we have today and throughout each Sunday of Advent, we have an opportunity for you to be still and quiet. Isn't that an amazing thing? So for 45 minutes, there will be guided meditation at 11.30 in the bride's room each of the Sundays of Advent starting today. It's a great way to be able to be centered and quiet, at least for part of Advent. Now it's your turn. Okay. <laughs> Let us pray together. Oh, Lord, we are glad to be in your wonderful presence. For it is the presence that draws us to know Jesus and to become like Christ in the completeness of his humanity for our humanity. And so help us to worship you in that way that not only is drawn into who you are, but to draw others around us into that same great presence. And so be with us now as we worship you through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Hear the cry from Bethlehem, O children come, Son of God now born to men, O children come, bring your troubles, bring your fears, bring the needs that draw you near, find the hope of all the years, O children come, O children come, children come, 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 children come, 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 Children come, righteous souls that will not end. Oh, children come, lay down all your bitterness. Turn from sin's toils and distress. Find His grace and perfect rest. Oh, children come, oh, children come. This morning, as we First Sunday of Advent candle lit. Uh, ask you to join in singing Come Light Our Hearts. The praise team will sing it through one time and then I'll invite us to sing it together. 
join me in the responsive call to worship that you'll find printed inside your bulletin. You know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Come. Let us worship God. Let us stand and do that together. Oh, dear desire of every nation, you are the joy of every longing heart. Let's sing, church. Come, thou long
Psalm 4610 calls us to be still and know that he is God. voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. 
Therefore, let us make our confession to God so we confess our sins responsively. Let us pray. O promised Christ, we are a world at war. Our Our peace peace depends depends on on your coming. We are a sinful people. Our Our completeness completeness depends depends on your coming. We are full of good intentions, but weak at keeping promises. Our only hope of doing God's will is that you should come and help us do it. Lord Christ, word made flesh, our world waits for your peace, for your completeness, and for your grace. So we cry out, come, Lord Jesus. And we bring to you now, in this moment, our own personal silent confessions. For we pray through Christ, the coming one. Amen. My friends, hear the good news of the gospel. Surely God's salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. In Christ, God's salvation is at hand, and righteousness has come. Thanks Thanks be to God. Amen.
So I want to say something about the cookies on hospitality night. <laughs> cookies are very important in my life. Some people ask me how I grew up to be so tall. Well, my mother loved to bake a certain kind of cookie. It was called a peanut butter orange cookie. It had all of the important food groups in it. What a little bit of sugar. And my daughter's planning on fixing some of those peanut butter orange cookies. And I have to say, one of my sacrifices for Advent is to allow you and the community to eat them. So please come to hospitality night. Now we're going to do something rather drastic for the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is this time we like to talk about waiting and quiet and reflection. And I would like to do a little paradoxical twist. A thing called assertive waiting or loud silence. These are contrasting realities in the nature of the good news. And we turn in our first Sunday of Advent to the loudest, most striking, and in-your-face text that exists in the New Testament. It doesn't get any more outlandish than Philippians chapter 3. So see if you can shift your paradigms for a moment and think of Advent as assertive waiting. Let us pray together. O oh Lord Jesus Christ, as we now read your word, may you call us to courage in these volatile times that we might wait for you with diligence, with imagination, with assertiveness, that your goodness and love might be seen while we wait for your return. Through Jesus Christ, we now listen to your word. Amen. Now, I was going to only read from verse 7 of chapter 3, but I decided that the most outlandish in-your-face part was the first part of the chapter, so we're going to start there. Philippians chapter 3. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Now, there's an Advent theme, isn't there? Hold on to your hats. To write the same things to you is not troublesome to me, and for you it is a safeguard. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of those who mutilate the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, who worship the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Even though I too have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has a reason to be confident in the flesh, I have even more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. 
Now, there's an outlandish statement. Paul says, I was once perfect. Wow. Yet whatever gains I had, these have I come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. And I regard them as rubbish, trash, in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based upon faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, This, too, God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. The word of the Lord. Now, as we look forward to the coming of the Christ, we look forward to the coming of the Savior, we look forward to the return of the Savior to rule the earth, What is it exactly that we're looking forward to? I would like to submit to you that the Apostle Paul articulates it very carefully. We are looking forward to maturity because Jesus represents the complete, the mature, the perfect human being, the ultimate humanity. And we can attain to that, and we hunger to attain to it. Yes, Jesus has saved us. Amen. But even more, Jesus wants to prepare us to be full human beings in this world and the next. So Paul is saying very strongly with the most assertive graphic articulation he can, grow up. It isn't just awaiting for Jesus to come back so we can be happy, harpy, and hopeful. No. We want Jesus to come back so we can all become everything God has created us to be. And we refuse to give any ground on that. And so Paul invites us to press forward, to move ahead, To put on the hard drive. It's an athletic metaphor. Paul was probably a runner. He was very competitive as a young man. We can see this in his words and his attitude, in his highly 
testosterone-driven persecution of the church. He was a formidable presence. Very competitive. And he was competitive for God. He didn't want anybody to interfere with the greatness and goodness of the God that he knew as a Jewish leader. And so he calls forth for us today in very contemporary terms all of these sports images that we hear on a regular basis. LeBron James driving toward the hoop for a slam dunk. Tiger Woods driving the golf ball down the course. Great baseball hitter driving the ball over the fence. Driving down the field on football terms to try to score a goal. Drive, 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 drive. There's a reason why we kind of like that sports stuff. Because there's something within us as human beings that want to drive forward. But what Paul says here pretty clearly is, it isn't about driving forward in the body and in the flesh. It isn't about all the athletic prowess we develop in these bodies. As Paul would say, I've been there, done that, and it's not worth it. It's about driving forward to become everything we can become as God created us to be. So Paul's competitive sound There's a reason for his harsh language here, and this is the harshest you're ever going to hear Paul sound. Trash talk. It really is trash talk. It's locker room language. It's to give us a wake-up call. This is the the before-the-game locker room speech for the Philippian church. And the coach is saying, look, I've been where you've been. I've done it. I've competed at the highest level. And you can do it too. But as good as you're ever going to be with the body, you can be a lot better with your heart and your soul and your full being as a human being. But beware, there's competition out there. There are teams that do not want you to win. There are leaders who want you to go a different direction. There are dogs. Now that is not a mild term. Now, uh, albeit to people who are pet owners and have dogs here, I'm sure there are a lot of warm, wonderful, feeling, cuddly dogs. But that's not what Paul had in mind here. He's talking about wild dogs, ravaging, meat-eating, hungry, death-threatening dogs. Dogs that will tear you apart. So let's put all the nice language about it away. Evil workers. And he goes on to say, mutilators of the flesh. They will rip you apart. And they do in some ways already. And Paul is saying, look, you don't have to listen to me, but I've been there, done that. I've been one of those dogs. I've been one of those mutilators. I've been one of those abusers. I've been one of those persecutors of the church. I've been one of those people on the opposite side. I've been one of those team members that did everything I could to make your life miserable. 
as a church. And he, he lists all the reasons why he was one of the greatest of the greats. He wasn't apologetic about bragging for who he was. I am the best, he says. Circumcised on the eighth day. Don't have time to go into that, but that's very special. A member of Israel, a Benjamite. Benjamite, the core tribe, the the smallest special tribe. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's a purebred, a pure blood. Can you imagine a pure blood Jew in this time? He's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. According to his drive and his purpose in life with zeal, he was absolutely driven to get rid of the church. And he was perfect. Wow, have you ever had anybody in your life say, hey, pay attention to me, I was perfect. Now by this time you're going, ah. And that's the intention. And Paul wants you to understand that he's considered all that now in his past useless. Trash. But he doesn't back off the locker room inspirational speech. With high demand, high expectations, with vivid and graphic, terse, tense and tense and forceful language, he says, get into the stress, go through the duress, stretch yourself as far as possible, and strain toward the goal. Tough language for the first Sunday of Advent. Because he's saying the goal, the prize is the right prize. And you can get it. Your life is at stake. Use everything you've got in terms of your experience and training and your relationship with God to get there and don't let anyone stop you. Now, if that feels a little too macho, then we're missing the point. Because what Paul is saying is, you better pay attention to this if you haven't paid attention to anything else. And what I'm saying today to you as a church is, we better pay attention to this if we haven't paid attention to anything else. And that is the goal of Christ. And the goal of the Apostle Paul was to help everybody grow up. And it's kind of a red zone intensity if you're a football fan. You get down within 20 yards of the goal line, everything just gets more intense. Life is tougher. The resistance is stronger. And the plays are more difficult. And what Paul is saying is, church, you are in a red zone time of life. Because these people are coming after you, and if you don't have the right offense and defense, they're going to destroy you. You're not going to make it to the goal. And he's saying about himself, I'm in the red zone of life. I'm probably up against the highest courts in the world, arguing my case, and I'm probably facing death. So understand what's at stake. The ultimate life issues are at stake. It's a powerful locker room speech. Dig in, buckle up, toughen up, all in, commit yourself, set your wills, focus your minds, grow up, be a man, be a woman, in the fullest sense of the word. 
I bet you never thought you were going to hear this on Advent Sunday. But this is not the only time Paul says this. He says this in every one of his letters. So don't think this is an unusual message. This happens to be the strongest way he puts it. He puts it in much nicer ways in some of the other letters, like 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter on love. But you know, it's really a chapter about growing up. Love is a sign that you're mature, but set aside childish things and take on mature things as an adult and grow up. That's what chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is about. And then there's Romans 12. Don't be conformed by the limitations of the world and by all the stuff that wants you to get into shallow things of life, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to become more like who Christ is and present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, that's pretty strong language. That's what they would say to the football team on the 20-yard line trying to get into the end zone. Now's the time to present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's Paul language. And then there's Ephesians 4, which says it probably as clearly as anybody. Let's grow up into the full stature of Christ. Be fully grown. So our goal, according to the Apostle Paul, is not just Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That's a nice spiritual statement. It's growing up to become like Jesus Christ. To become mature and complete and whole as a human being as Jesus is whole and complete and mature as a human being. That's the goal. And that's the purpose of the church. To know and to attain and to gain and to live up everything that Jesus is. To gain His righteousness and the power of His resurrection and the sharing of His sufferings. Become like Him in His death. Death may be the ultimate way that we demonstrate whether we are moving toward Christ or not. How we suffer and how we die can ultimately demonstrate who we have become. Straining forward, forgetting the past, pressing toward the goal, going for the win, going for the gold, becoming mature. Not too long ago when the corporation of Toyota wanted to start a really fancy car, they discovered that the name Toyota didn't cut it. So fancy car Toyota just wasn't going to sell. So they came up with Lexus and they came up with a very strong statement connected to Lexus. Do you remember what that was? The relentless pursuit of perfection. Kind of an arrogant statement, isn't it? But that's what Paul is saying. We are in the relentless pursuit of perfection. Now you're going to think, he's beginning to sound like a Wesleyan Methodist. Well, there is a part of me that thinks that Wesley may have had it right, and we Presbyterians may have gotten it wrong. That the call of God is to become fully mature human beings. And contrary to what some Reformed people would say, would say, well, that's just not possible, so don't even try because you're too messed up to even get there. Some Presbyterians believe that. I don't. I don't think Paul meant, knew that either. He actually believed it was attainable. Not that we had absolute perfection, but that we could gain in maturity. 
And there's a fierce competition toward it. I would suggest to you the overall theme of the Bible from the Old Testament to the end of the New Testament is grow up. God wants us to become everything God is and Jesus is and our humanity beckons us to become because Jesus made it possible. There are two great biblical words. The Old Testament word is shalom. We translate it rest and peace. Oh, that's way too nice. Shalom means the wholeness and completeness of life. Everything God has created to be, to be the best it can be. Shalom. In the New Testament, it's teleos, which Paul uses twice here in this text. Be mature, complete, whole. Everything God has created you to be. It has to do with the end word, which is telos. In the end, become teleos. And teleos is not the end, but who you become in the end. It's the big goal. It's the prize worth dying for. We're not just saved by Christ. Christ wants to fully form us for eternity. So let go of the immature and the leadership of shallowness and superficiality and triviality. Go more than skin deep. Don't be just wrapped up in the flesh and the cheapness of life. Embrace a leadership that will take you into the fullness of Christ. There's a great author, a Jewish rabbi who's become quite famous. His name was Edwin Friedman, and he wrote in his last book before he died, which was published posthumously, Failure of Nerve. Edwin Friedman basically said this, the problem with people in America and the problem with people in the world historically is we have not had leaders who are gutsy enough and had the nerve enough to lead us where we need to go. We wimp out in politics. And he takes, writes a whole book on the lack of emotional maturity and the importance to find leaders who will lead us into the wholeness of who we can become as human beings. Jim Collins says something like this in his book, Good to Great. There are two great characteristics of a really fine leader. Humble and absolutely driven for the purpose and good of the people she or he serves. That's Jesus. Humble assertiveness. Please do not take those words apart. There is no humility without assertiveness. There is no assertiveness without humility. There is no wholeness without both of those. To be humble, assertive, gracious, and purposeful purposeful is not a paradox or an oxymoron. It keeps us driving toward the goal for the purpose of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. And so here's my last word, Laguna Presbyterian Church. Become a church. Continue to be a church that is absolutely driven to help people become fully formed in Jesus Christ whole, complete, balanced, and healthy. 
Not just introduce people to Jesus, not just welcome them to worship to have a good time. That's all a part of it. But that's the beginning place. We're glad you're here. Now we're going to help you grow up. We're going to help you grow up. Some of you are visiting and probably thinking, I'm here too long already. (laughs) This church has a wonderful legacy of Jerry and our pastors helping this church grow up. Let's don't lose that legacy. Let's add to it and deepen it. And so if you say, well, why would I give to the church? You know that stewardship was going to come there someplace. (laughs) Why would I give to the church? It's because this church is militantly committed to doing what the primary goal is, helping every person grow up in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We want to help you become fully mature. It's the great prize. And it's worth dying for. Let us pray. Oh Lord Jesus, help us to grow up. Help us to become everything that you are. And help us to empower the people around us to do the same. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we present our bodies living sacrifices for that purpose. Amen. I invite you to stand and join me with me in the affirmation of faith, which beckons us to grow to fullness in Christ. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking Looking to to Jesus, Jesus, the the pioneer pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Please be seated. Lord, we come before your throne of grace on this first Sunday in the season of Advent, the season in which we prepare ourselves once again for the coming into the world of your Son, Jesus, who came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We know, Lord, that this same Jesus lives today, that he cares for each of us just as he did for those who lived in his own time. We know that he longs to forgive and to heal and to comfort. We ask for that comfort to be shared this morning with the family of former President George H.W. Bush as we remember his dedication to our country to his family. We ask for that same comfort to be realized in the lives of all those who seek the healing hands of Jesus. For those devastated and made homeless by fire and earthquake and all natural disasters. For all those who suffer depression and addiction. For those who have suffered the loss of family members and friends for those who suffer illness, whether it be physical, mental, or spiritual. We lift before you this congregation 
and its ministries of love and compassion and hope. And we lift before you those who are seeking you, even now, and who find strength and fellowship and acceptance in this place with our church family. And we pray for all of those today in our nation and in others who cry out for justice and peace. We pray for all of our church staff, those who labor in the church office, and our pastors who teach us, who lead us in worship, who comfort us and challenge us. We pray for Gareth's improved health, for Steve and his family and the loss of his mother, for Kathy, whose service has brought comfort and insight to us all, for Linda and our wonderful choir, for Beth and her amazing praise band, for those maintained our beautiful property, for our church officers, for the many volunteers who give their time and energy for the sake of the gospel. Bless them all, Lord, and assure them all of our prayers for them. As we continue through this magical and mysterious and muchly loved period of preparation, speak to us all, each one. Fill us with the spirit of Advent and Christmas and grant to each one the joy of life and the fulfillment of sharing ourselves and our talents and our treasures for the healing of the nations and for the glory of your kingdom. Grant that we might live, Lord, not in fear, but in hope. And hear us now as we join together in the prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We invite you at this time to present your stewardship offering for 2019 and the morning offering as well. Snow 
Join in on the chorus, rejoice, rejoice, and then sing verse 3. have all that we need and more. Others are not so fortunate. Jesus said, unto whom much has been given will much be required. Help us to know the privilege and the joy of giving. Grant that we might always give generously and receive graciously. Please use us in our gifts to bring glory to you by bringing joy, peace, and comfort to others. In the name of Jesus, the expected one. Amen. 
The oldest blessing in the Bible is really about growing up. It's from Numbers. And it's the metaphor of a parent welcoming a child into his or her arms and lifting the child up and blessing the child to go and become everything God has created them to be. So hear these words of an invitation to become mature. May the Lord bless you and keep you, hold you close and tight. May the Lord smile upon you and hold you close. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and bless you as he puts you down on the ground and sends you off in shalom to become everything God has created you to be. May you bring that kind of a blessing to your family, to your children and grandchildren, and to your neighbors, and to your church, and to yourself. Go in the grace, mercy, and shalom of Christ. Amen. Amen.